Hello everyone, this is Brittany Hill and you're tuning in to Six Feet Apart, where I'm chatting with people in my network while we all have a little bit of extra time on our hands at home. We will cover who they are, how the coronavirus is affecting their network, tips they have for staying sane during this time of chaos, and so much more. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. I am here with Britlin Kidney Quinn. <laughs> Brit BQ. We know her as so many things. And I'm just so excited to have you on here while you are living in Nicaragua. So, Britt, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. So fun. It's been really fun because I've been able to actually see you quite a bit. I've been tuning into your yoga classes that are literally amazing that I hope other people will find out about if they don't already know, maybe through this podcast. But um, that's been a really cool way to reconnect with you. And now we get to just jump in a little bit more about your life. So I do like to start out just by talking about how we met. So how would you answer that? Okay. (laughs) I was thinking, I totally remember this day. I don't know exactly how we met, but maybe you do. But you came to my dorm room. Yes. In the first year at San Diego State. And we sat on my bed and we talked for hours and hours and hours and laughing and dying. And I think then we knew we were going to be really good friends from that day. But I don't remember our first interaction of how you came to my dorm room. But anyway, is that is how we met. We became friends, I think, right after that day. Then we lived together <laughs> in a house with like five other girls, six other girls. Six girls. We were eight? Uh, we seven were total. So I guess, okay. yeah, six, six others besides, no, five others besides us. We even studied abroad in the same country. Yes. And then put together again. I know. After we went to college, um, how would you kind of like talk about your journey of where you are right now? And I'm sure that you could literally talk about this for a year. So kind of summing it up for us. Okay. Um, I'm going to sum it, but this is an important factor. I think <clears throat> when I was very young, my parents took me to this camp in Yosemite mm-hmm. run by the city of Berkeley and I started going there when I was two then I started working there when I was 16 so I like left the whole summer when I was 16 and that was quite crazy at that time I remember yeah for a whole su- yeah to go work in the mountains or in Yosemite whatever also it's with all Berkeley kids so they're obviously quite hippies yeah very different California. Yeah. And I just remember feeling so like I fit in with them so much. Yeah. And I loved their style of life. Mm. And like I you felt really free. Age. Yeah. Uh, also living at this camp where we're like living in cabins with no electricity and you're living in complete nature and you're living like a community, eating with everyone three times a day. And um, you're hiking every day. You're outside every day. Mm-hmm. We're making fires. We're making parties in the bush. And I just love this lifestyle so much. Yeah. So I always just thought like I would live in nature. Yeah. Anyways. And um, that was, so that's a big part. Then when I went to San Diego State, 
and I decided to travel abroad or study abroad when we were 20, 21. My whole life changed moving to Barcelona and Europe and seeing a different culture and the lifestyle and the food culture and the people and the freedom and everything just seems so much more laid back. Mm -hmm. Everyone sitting in the cafes are just like leaning back. I don't know, just the vibe completely changed my life. I was like, it's so relaxed here. I absolutely love this. I'm never moving back. Wow, I didn't realize like that those two, I mean, yeah, studying abroad, I can completely understand that, but I didn't realize how big of an influence your camp also had on- because of the way I started to travel. Yeah. Anyways, so then Barcelona, Europe enhanced that even more. Then I was really um, inspired to like go deeper, quote unquote. Like I wanted to travel more. Um, like authentically. Yeah. Yeah. Primitively. Yeah. Or third degrees. So from Europe, I went to Indonesia and did a woofing for a month. Yeah. So living in a bamboo hut with no running water, no electricity. We were pumping our water from a well. We were going to the bathroom and compost toilets from there. So I absolutely love that lifestyle. I was like, yes, 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 yes. It was like camp, but traveling. And then I went to Thailand by myself for like three weeks and I met this Thai reggae band and they spoke no English and I just fell in love with them. Yeah. And they took around all the islands of Thailand and we just hung out every day. We didn't speak any words of English and we just traveled everywhere that they played and it was just so much fun. And I just was like, loved, loved being off the grid with this style of people in this style of life, super simple. And really laid back. Everyone's so happy, so free. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a big life-changing factor. I didn't know if I was going to finish school at San Diego State or not. I had a year left. And I was just like, I don't even know if I can go back. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, you know, I came back. Yes. So great. I feel like Britt. That was a really hard transition for you to come back to quote unquote normal life. Oh, and it's completely understandable no, though. I definitely like came out of this kind of depression mm-hmm. and I enjoyed San Diego and I loved the beach and we had a ton of fun that last year. And then I moved to ocean beach and I got this job and I saved a bunch of money. I finished school after two years and like two weeks after I graduated, I moved to New Zealand knowing this is a one-way ticket. Yeah. I am never coming back. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my gosh. It's so – it's, like, fascinating to hear you talk about all this now when it's been, you know, basically 10 years since then. And it's – I mean, it's it's so great, though, that I feel like you've been able to reflect on that and see how much it – um, impacted where you are now and like the lifestyle that you chose for yourself, you know? So since New Zealand, are you kind of bring us through, and I know that you've been literally so many places, but kind of what has your track been since then to where you are now? So when I moved to New Zealand with Cassie, Mm -hmm. I knew she was probably going to stay six months and I was staying 
for a year and then going, I didn't know where. So we lived in New Zealand together, did a winter season, um, met these group of French boys that were also <laughs> doing a season. We became super close with them. They were um, living in the same town as us and stuff. So that's when I met Alex, who I'm still with now. Oh, Alex. Years later. it's That's insane. Okay, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, we were in Wanaka snowboarding. Then Cassie and I, when the winter season ended, we moved to a farm. This was a life changing moment. Mm -hmm. We moved to a life, uh, organic farm in New Zealand that had like every single thing you can imagine. And we lived there for a few months. And from there, Cassie left and Alex joined mm -hmm. and Alex and I traveled around New Zealand from there for like another six months or something. And we decided at one point, very early in the beginning, to do this backpacking trip along the Abel Tasman. And if, if anyone knows it, they know it's the most amazing place ever. <laughs> so we did a packing trip along the Abel Tasman in, tent, in a tent, carrying all of our stuff. So this brings me back to the camp Yosemite wow. life. I absolutely loved camping living this lifestyle outside blah 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 yeah and so as he was like like a gypsy of europe like yeah french <laughs> so this is when it like really we really fell in love and the way we love to live and let's keep doing this and so from that moment and living in that tent this was like in january we lived in a tent for like six and a half years after that. Oh. <laughs> My God. You say that so casually. <laughs> we went to Southeast Asia. We did like all of Southeast Asia. We taught English in Vietnam. Oh, we yeah. Motorbikes. I traveled all of Vietnam, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia by motorbike, Singapore, Malaysia with our tent. From there, we went to Australia because we needed money. So we started working in some farms, tomatoes, mangoes, bananas, um, asparagus, all this stuff, farming. Then we moved to a little beach town called Margaret River, and I worked in a cafe and in a little um, bar. Mm -hmm. Alex went and did a fishing boat job. Wow. We saved money. We back to Thailand. We absolutely love Thailand with our whole heart. Yeah. We went back to Thailand, stayed there a few months. Then we went to Europe and I met his family and we did a winter season in the French Al Alps. It's called Saint-Foix. Mm -hmm. So we worked in the Alps for a few months. And then we went to my brother's wedding in California. I showed, it was Alex's first time in the States. We did a big road trip. Wow. Great trip. <laughs> all over the States. And then from there we flew to Fiji mm -hmm. and we flew to Fiji because we had met a friend in New Zealand who had a boat. We also sailed with him around on the Abel Tasman. We just randomly met him. He told us he lived on a boat. We lived on it for like two months in the Abel Tasman with him, helped him fix it, learned how to sail a little bit, sailed around the Abel Tasman. Anyways, a few years later, he told us he was sailing to Fiji. So Alex and I met him in Fiji, met this crew of hippies, four boats, <laughs> a 
hippies per boat and they were just like sailing the South Pacific Islands. So we joined crew. We were two of eight on the boat for winds and we sailed all around Fiji for three months. And then we sailed to an island country called Vanuatu. That absolutely changed my life. That I remember. I feel like I saw you right when you guys got back. And that's the place that sticks in my mind of your okay. travels. Okay. So Vanuatu. Another very, very drastic life change in our life. So we sailed to this island. And we first arrived to the island called Tana. And when we arrived, it was just the most beautiful thing you can ever imagine in your life. Like if you were hallucinating, every single thing on the island was pulsing and breathing. And there was every single color everywhere. And it was the craziest thing I had ever seen in my life. And yes, we were completely sober. <laughs> and we were like, this is amazing. So we dock there and we get to land by like our little dinghy. And straight away, these like local boys come running up to us and they speak this language like pigeon, bishlama, it's called. So it's like, sorry, sorry. You can understand it. It's like, you, me, go a long way, catch them big fella fish. Okay. So that like, you and me go. Yeah. So. You understand it, but it's like this broken English. So anyways, they come and they're like, how are you guys? Do you want to fish? Do you want to eat? Do you want to come to my house? All this stuff. So like right away, we go to this little beach with them. They start fishing just like with their one little string attached to a stick. And they catch all these fish and bring it to the beach, make this fire. We cook the fish on the fire, eat it with our hands on banana leaves or something. And then they take us around their like island and it's all complete nature like there is absolutely no electricity no grocery stores no money no running water everyone lives in a bamboo hut or in a tree house and a lot of the women were wearing um coconut skirts and the men were wearing just like a leaf over their private <laughs> it was completely tribal custom I I think there's even like a documentary on them on Netflix. Anyways, but wow. we were like, we have to stay here. We have to stay here. We have to learn how to make a bamboo hut. We need to learn how to make a canoe out of that tree. And we need to learn how to make that grass skirt and uh. that in that basket. We were just freaking out. Yeah. So we did like seven day trek, just Alex and I, and like everyone on the boat was doing their own thing. And we were going to meet back in seven days. And we did the seven day trek across the island and met all these families that were the nicest people ever taught us, brought us in. And like three year olds were walking around with machetes, like cutting oh. pumpkin skin off and on their hand. Like four year olds were like climbing the highest coconut trees you ever see and craziest things. Wow. Like, oh my God. But life, this is how we were all living. It's just insane. Right. So. The boat decided to leave and go to other islands, and we were like, we are going to stay in Vanuatu for the time of the visa, which was six months. Yeah. So Alex and I stayed, and we went island hopping, hitchhiking cargo ships, because there is a few cargo ships there. So we hitchhiked these cargo ships and went from island to island, like trying to decide what island we wanted to live on. 
and everyone called this one island um, Little Jamaica, ah. Melakula. So, as you know, obviously, we moved to Little Jamaica. <laughs> island for six months, and we're like, hitchhiked there and arrived, and people were just like, freaking out like they call this white man like i was gonna say had they ever seen white people before yes okay they they um sometimes peace corps sent okay sent people there okay the last had been like 10 years ago okay one white guy and so basically if they were 10 years old or younger they had never seen a white person before and they were freaking out. Like, if they were four years old and younger, they thought we were, like, aliens. Oh, my gosh. Like, mess with them and, like, tell us to, like, touch their kids. Uh. It would screaming. Oh, my God. It was so funny. But they totally accepted us straight away. They oh. had, like, since they all live in bamboo huts, they have, like, maybe an extra hut on the beach when they go, like, make bonfires and they have a... Mm-hmm. Um, bush where their garden is so like this one family said they had this extra hut so we moved into this little bamboo hut and we had our sleeping bags we didn't use pillows I don't think wow and you lived there six months well then we that's like just when we arrived to the island so then so we were accepted into the village and like told that we could go to anyone's garden Mm -hmm. that's the only way you get food is by going to the garden okay so that was big once we were accepted then we started looking for a place to build our own hut okay so we found a place beach and yeah we built our own hut with these like five other guy friends and it took only maybe six or seven days i mean we worked like every day all day it was tiny little hut with a bed and a shelf and we made like three huge windows with mosquito nets. So they have like few things. Yeah. China exports exports few few things to these islands. Okay. And um so like mosquito net for and nails and a hammer. Okay. Um this so, is yeah, we fascinating. Roof like, like a coconut leaf roof and we learned how to weave bamboo for the floor and for the walls. We learned how to make a mat out of coconut branches and wow benches and like a little kitchen area outside we were right on the beach like the water hit sometimes like hit our hut and so we lived there for six months and just you survived so it was just absolutely amazing these people were amazing it taught us so much about life and simplicity which we already loved but this just took it to a deeper level. Like something I always remember is Alex and I would be like in bed because you have no movies, no whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we could just talk about like how crazy things were compared to Western world, this world mm-hmm. for hours and hours and hours every single day. Right. So that's crazy. And just like still now to this day, if I, Obviously, everyone will notice if this topic comes up, I cannot shut up. About it. <laughs> but it's just like, there's kids named after us on these islands. Yeah, Stop. Like this, my, this family that we became so close with, she got pregnant maybe a year after I left. And she told me that she was naming her kid. Oh. Rick, and it's the cutest thing ever because oh. they spelled it 
B-R-I-D-N-E-Y. Stop. Oh, my. This is literally, like, I have no words. So, anyways, we decided to leave Vanuatu. We were still young. We still wanted to travel. We hadn't seen, like, so much what we wanted to see. So, we left after six months. We went to Indonesia. Then we went to India for five months. Loved India so much. Yeah. Back. We trekked the Himalayas again with like just our tent and our backpacks mm-hmm. for months. I did a long yoga te- yoga course there. Then, after we had been gone for like all of that is almost like two years, we hadn't worked, so we were like, "All right, we need to work again." Yeah, and we're budget budget travelers, yeah, so it was fine. But we went to work. I got this amazing opportunity from a good friend, Courtney, who I met in New Zealand. Her and her boyfriend made a farm in Lockwood, California. And, um, yeah, so we trimmed there for three months. It was super fun. We loved the people we were with. It was a crazy job. Yeah. And we super good money. So we did that three months. We went back to France, did another winter season, same place. And then we went back to California to trim again because – this when we knew we wanted to buy land in another country, mm. we knew that was a plan. So we were like, let's save money to buy land. So we went back to California, saved, worked like almost six months, I think, this time trimming, mm. and saved put a big, big chunk of money away to buy land. And then we left for our first round of travels through Mexico and Central America. Mm, okay. So we flew to Guatemala and then we hitchhiked to Acapulco to meet all of Alex's best friends. Few of them that were in New Zealand that I had met seven years prior. Oh my gosh. They're all DJs. Alex is a DJ and we were putting on a festival an hour outside of Acapulco. So we all met there. The boys, his French friends were in two yellow school buses. They had drove from California. Oh my God. Of course. Of course. (laughs) <laughs> so we met these how many boys six boys in their yellow school buses in mexico and we put together this festival called tribe union and we stayed there for a month setting up doing the festival taking it down and then alex and i jumped on one of the school buses and we traveled all through mexico for six months in the yellow school bus and we set up parties everywhere we went. Oh my gosh. DJs. They had a full sound system. We played at bars, on the beaches, at cenotes, at rivers. Just like we got followers, like travel followers in their vans. We would be wow. 20 traveler cars, like pulling up in like Bacalar, Mexico. Or I don't even know. And this was, life is so like, crazy. Crazy because it was like a moment that I felt like I was maybe getting older. I think I was like twenty nine, and I was like, okay, I'm like getting pretty old. And then I did this trip, and I was like, I am young. Uh, (laughs) I love that. I made you appreciate. Wow. I just like it made me feel so good. Like I thought it would make me feel like, what am I doing? I'm twenty nine or whatever. But I was like, this is life. Totally. This is so fun. 
so free. We're all happy. We have good food. We had just come from working so much. So like, and all, everyone did. Like mm -hmm. everyone had from trimming. So it was just so much fun. We did that for six months and then the boys ran out of money and mm -hmm. um, all drove back to California. And Alex and I continued to hitchhike all the way to Nicaragua. So we went back through Guatemala. We went through Costa Rica into Nicaragua, where I had also signed up for my yoga teacher training. Okay. So we ended up in Nicaragua, <clears throat> hitchhiking with our tent, and we started camping at this place called Plymadaris. Also, this was two years ago during this big crisis, quote unquote, of Nicaragua. Like mm -hmm. there was this big political situation going down two years ago. And the whole country was like basically shut down, like the U.S. embassy pulled out. The president is just a bit wild. Mm -hmm. So basically it was empty two years ago when we arrived, which we love because we really hate touristy places. Right. So we loved it and we didn't know how busy it usually was because it was our first time there. So we were just like, this is amazing, amazing. The beaches were empty. It was perfect surf, warm water. We took up surfing. We fell in love. We got hooked. I went into my yoga teacher training for two months in the in the jungle. Wow. And that was all like no electricity, no running water. I lived in a tiny bamboo hut on the river. And um, Alex was staying at the place where we were before surfing and doing music. And so once I finished that, I got a job, job straight away at this place called Hush. Mm -hmm. And we started teaching every single night there. And in exchange, we got to live there for free. And was it a hotel? It's, yeah, it's like this boutique resort. Okay. It's wow. so beautiful. And it had a view of the ocean and rooms were like $50 a night, which is so crazy expensive to yeah, us. There, yeah. And so we were just like in this dream world. So. We stayed there for like two months, I think, and I was teaching and we were surfing every single day and we felt, we really, really fell in love with Nicaragua. It's still very simple lifestyle, like where we live, the road, there is no roads, it's just dirt roads. The main traffic is cows, horses, pigs, chickens. Wow. Always getting in your way on the road. <laughs> And there's like no stoplights here. There's no grocery store. There's, we need to go buy our water every time from like a tienda, like jugs of water. Oh, wow. There's wells here. Um, so, yes, you see, it's just very simple lifestyle. Yeah. Still. And it's, we love the surf. So, so are you planning on staying there like um, longer term? Is that where you want to buy your land? That's what we're thinking, yes. Okay. Definitely. Wow. So we stayed here for like total of five months in Nicaragua last year. And then we thought, let's go back, trim one more time, save money to buy a car, like mm -hmm. a car we could drive down to Nicaragua, mm -hmm. save a little bit more money for land, and we'll drive from California to Nicaragua. So that's what we did last January. We saved money to buy a car. And then we met the boys again in the school buses and we did all of Mexico with them in the school buses again, but we were in our own car. We set up the same festival tribe union the second year 
and then we continued driving. We stayed in El Salvador for three months surfing. We stayed in Costa Rica. We stayed in Guatemala for a little bit. And then we finally arrived in Nicaragua and we've been here almost a year. Oh my God. This is literally so crazy. I can't even imagine. I can't wrap my head around all of these places and the experiences that you have had. I mean, there's no way that obviously someone outside of it can understand that, but it's just, it's so incredible. And it's so inspiring that you guys are doing that. I think it reminds people that like, why do we have to feel tied down to these like chains of society when like you guys are living this life that you've chosen for yourself and completely like successful doing it, you know? And it's yeah. just, it's really it's cool. It's like so possible. Yeah. That's the thing. People would tell us so many times, like, well, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. And we're like, but it's not luck. Like, yeah. You so chose this. Yeah, totally. So with that, I'm really curious. Um, being gone for so long, is there anything? Like if you had to choose one thing that you do miss about like society in America, what would it be? Ooh. <laughs> it's taking know. this long because you miss nothing. That's why. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. If I mean, my family and friends, obviously, but like if there was like. Nothing. That's so crazy. Oh my God. I can't think of on the top of my head, you know? Wow. There's something, but like that I'm there. Yeah, I don't, I don't, sometimes you, I get annoyed of the dirt road because it's really dusty. <laughs> oh my God. This is so, I mean, this is literal proof that you are exactly where you are meant to be. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the number one thing that you like? I'm sure there's so many, but what is the, if you had to nail down the number one thing you don't miss, what would it be? Ooh. Um, it's funny to speak about it in quarantine. Mm -hmm. I, True. Because I've, I've always said is like the fast paced lifestyle. Right that would have been the number one thing. Like every time I go home, like I love seeing my friends. I love seeing my family. I like, I'm excited to go home. I want like right now, like I would be so happy if I could go home right now and like stay at my parents in San Clemente and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I always feel like it's just like here, there, here, there, like 50 things in one day. Right. And it's like, that's probably the number one thing. Mm -hmm. That always been like when I went home from camp when I was 20 and when I came back from Barcelona, it's like that fast paced lifestyle. Totally. Like, yeah, that would be the number one. And I think people a lot, like you said, in quarantine, I think a lot of people are realizing like, what was the point? of the rat race. Yeah. What is it's yeah. it's forcing people to slow down and maybe uh, realize, yeah. yeah, maybe realize what you guys are doing has been right all along. <laughs> yeah, that's you crazy. know. Some people said that to me recently I'm, like, I'm sure. Yeah. And then my yeah. last like kind of big travel question for you is okay. how do you guys choose your next place? Okay, that's a good one. Um, people used to always ask us that. Um, we would like 
just go off feeling usually like okay we would be we would be in australia for example and be like okay well i really really want to snowboard like we haven't snowboarded in two years so where should we go yeah and like we would talk like we can go to colorado well we can go to the alps okay let's go to the alps then we'd be in the alps and then just start thinking like oh my gosh like i want like culture i want intense culture and yeah blah, blah, blah. go to asia so i i think it was quite we never had a plan i mean we ideally never wanted to have a plan or a deadline okay because we that was the best like when we were hiking in the able tasman we meet the guy who has the boat totally you didn't want to be tied to anything yeah we always said like the best plan is no plan and like when right. we would have a plan we'd always be like so annoyed like oh why why like with that right right you don't want commitments yeah okay so, like, no plan is how we pick the plan i love it oh my god okay all right Okay, Brent, so transitioning just a little bit, I'm curious, um, do you feel like people there are taking the coronavirus seriously? Yeah, like, I don't know, maybe I want to say like 50-50 or something, because yes, and very big no. Okay. Like, the government and the president tell us nothing. Okay. Maybe said that, or like, that me and my friends are really aware of, Mm. yeah. The government and president don't say much. They have not forced people to like shut down or force people to wear masks or whatever. But the really cool thing is that like expats and gringos and locals, Nicaraguans have taken their own effect. Mm. Almost all the resorts or all the resorts here are closed. Almost all the restaurants are the food, the food trucks who deliver to us like are wearing masks. Okay. And, yeah. So yes and no because a lot of other people also aren't wearing masks, and people like in Nicaragua still get together as big groups. Okay. I don't think they're fully aware, you know. Like mm-hmm. everyone's aware, but there's no like rules. Right. So, Have you looked you into know? it all? Like, are are there cases there? Is it even a? Is it um? Like, has it been hit? Yes, definitely. It's okay. actually being hit really hard right now. Oh. I think this is our hard moment because we're a little bit behind you guys. And so I actually teach yoga to these people who own one of the hospitals here. Wow. So they have you know, a bit aware. Hospitals are full. Mm-hmm. I recently heard that they reported there's 25 cases, but I mean, that is not true there's definitely way more wow Uh, that's the thing like we don't know we just like hear from people you Mm -hmm. know so and you don't even know what to believe probably yeah okay well do you feel like this has affected like your daily life or what does your day-to-day look like and has it changed because of the coronavirus okay yes and no again um definitely like i lost every single one of my jobs i was working at like six to seven different resorts for weekly. Like I had 
four, I had a schedule and like I taught at four resorts every single week. And then I had my weekends free because Alex was DJing quite often. And because that's when I get a lot of private yoga classes called. Okay. But all of my resorts are closed. So okay. I have lost all of the jobs. Alex has lost every single DJ gig. Obviously there's no parties. There's no events. Right. Um, so that has been the main thing that it has affected in my daily life. Uh-huh. But I, other hand, it hasn't because the beaches are still open. So right. I still go surf. All, there's no one here because all the tourists left. Mm-hmm. So it's just like the people who live here, like me and the locals. Yeah. So like, I still see my water when we surf. And wow. Sometimes we'll meet for sunset, keeping our distance. Okay. Sh- taking our own is our own bottle of wine, mm-hmm. but sitting on the beach together, watching sunset. Okay. Um, yeah. So like our we get there's a food truck. That's how we get our fruits and vegetables that mm-hmm. come every day. They're still coming, and like we just make sure right when we get them to wash everything. Okay. So like food hasn't changed. Grocery store anyways. Yeah. So like day to hasn't changed that much, but I don't go to any of the resorts, but now, you know, I teach Zoom. So. Yeah. It's a crazy time. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, it's like so, as travelers, I feel like we've been through so many dramatic changes and shocks and culture shifts and blah, blah, blah. Like I was just telling my mom the other day, cause she was like really annoyed about wearing a mask. Yeah. Maybe a few of you are, listening to this are annoyed as well. Yeah. And like being, for example, like just straight away reminded Alex and I of Vietnam. And when we lived there for five months, we wore masks everywhere we went because that's what they already did. Like, wow. We don't really know why germs, etc. but like everyone did. There's cute masks for sale <laughs> everywhere. We both cute masks and we wore them every day. So now that was their norm. Mm-hmm. Now, like, it's become a new norm here. And it's just like, we have to adjust. Totally. That's a really good perspective. That's really, really interesting to hear you say that. And so true. So with that, then is there anything that you're even fearful of because of the coronavirus or not really? Well, I am fearful (laughs) that after the coronavirus, if we can say that, um, I'm more fearful fearful that afterwards people are just going to go like straight back to that rat race lifestyle Mm. and driving everywhere. And the world is going to get polluted again. And people are going to consuming, consuming. And I just hope that this has taught everyone a little bit about slowing down. Don't have to go to the store every day or target or whatever. Like, try I hope that people like enjoy the simple things yeah after this yeah and don't go straight back to how it was yeah that's a that's a great point too I feel like from a lot of the conversations that I've had through the podcast that has been a silver lining that a lot of people have found is that they people almost needed an excuse of of reason to slow down something that made them do it but now that they have there is this appreciation around like these small moments that we easily overlook 
And so I, I have that same hope really is that even for myself, like remember these moments and appreciate them and don't take them for granted and don't just go right back into the lifestyle that we were living. So that's That's so true. Yeah. Okay. And what about something that you've come to appreciate out of all of this? So the number one by far thing that I have come to appreciate out of all this is my Zoom yoga class and that opportunity. And that has been an absolute, absolute dream come true that I didn't even know like was a dream or that was possible. And ever since it's happened, it's just like the best thing ever. I get to teach yoga to all of my friends and family from every single aspect of my life from this camp that I worked at at 16 years old, from university friends, from friends in Barcelona, from all the different travels I have been in. And it's like the most heart-touching, amazing thing that I have ever done in my life. And like, I just didn't even think of it ever that that was possible. Like I loved when a few friends had come and visited me and done my yoga, like Alexis. Yeah. I never imagined to like teach every, everyone, family. It's just amazing. It's the best thing. So, and now you has been the thing that. Yeah. And now you like, you have that as a resource, even when things do kind of go back to normal, if they do, you're able to do this, you know, moving forward, which is awesome. And yeah. And it's, I will say, I mean, I've, I've joined some of your classes and they're so like, you not only do a great and absolutely great workout because I feel so open. Like my body literally feels so much more open after I do your classes, but you bring in a lot of, um, you're really authentic, which I love. Like you're authentic to yourself, um, which is really cool, but you also bring in a lot of like mindfulness spiritual, which I love in a yoga class as well. So I have really enjoyed them. And thank you for those, as I'm sure a lot of other people do. Thank you so much for being. Yeah. And then what about three tips that you have for people for staying sane during this time? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, I'll put a link um, underneath on the little description of this too. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Um, yes, please. Anyone join my zoom yoga classes. That'd be amazing. It is a really good way to start your day. So good. Also, I just exercise in general movement, going outside. Like that's definitely a number one thing I would say, try to do something good for your body actively and, or go outside. So that would be one. I think two would be like, eating really well Mm -hmm. and beautifully like really caring maybe about your food since you have more time totally creative in the kitchen trying new recipes and i think that's a good one it makes you excited to eat breakfast yeah to eat dinner something to look forward to totally and then third i would say is like trust the unknown Trust that there's no plan. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been my, like you've heard through my converse, my podcast thing, that always the best moments in our travels in our life have been when there was nothing planned. Yeah. We didn't know what was going to happen next. 
And I think that's such a good time. Like we have to live in the day to day right now. And yeah, so just trust it. Like know that this is a journey. It's a process. You are where you are meant to be. This is happening for a reason. And sometimes the worst or the hardest things end up leading you to the absolute greatest moment. So totally. I think trust it, live in the present. Yeah. You're so enlightened, yeah. Britt. <laughs> so, so good. Oh my gosh. I have literally like enjoyed this so much. Ooh. And like just learn hearing your story all at once is just, it's, there's no other word than fascinating and intriguing and inspiring. And, um, I just, I hope that other people get to listen and and hear your story too. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. This is your daily reminder that even though we have to stay six feet apart, there's no better time to stay connected. So go text someone you love and let them know that you're thinking of them. I know I'm going to. Bye.